the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is EdTech, episode 13, recorded Friday, March 1st, 2013. Troublemakers. It's time for EdTech, the education-focused podcast brought to you by the uh, fine folks at Aviation. My name is Tim Albright. I'm your host. With us this week uh, is uh, a gentleman who ran his sprinklers last night while the rest of us shoveled snow. His name is Greg Brown. He's the manager of classroom technology design at UCLA Go Bears. How are you, sir? Bruins. Whatever. Hello, it's, Tim. It's a Hello, bear. Everybody. Yeah, and, and, and for the record, it's 71 degrees right now. Thank you. Uh, on the opposite end of that spectrum is Mr. Scott Tyner. Um, how many inches of snow do you have there up in Maine, sir? Oh, a few feet at this point. Yeah. We're, and we're expected to get anywhere from another foot to a foot and a half over the next three days. The the moose are looking in through the second story window. Uh, Greg, snow is a form of water uh, it's when it gets cold enough. Um, I've, I've heard of it. I've seen it. You can go to the mountains here and, oh, yeah, and, that's and true, play yeah. in it really most any time you want to, but you you don't have to live in it. Well, yeah. he saw some splashing on his lawn yesterday. It's <laughs> just a little bit warmer snow than usual. Uh, like, like, like I said, in other countries, they sentence people to places like Maine. <laughs> uh, Scott is the assistant director of user services at Bates College. Thank you so much, sir, for braving the, the cold with us. No, oh, thanks for having me. Uh, and last but not least is Mr. Matthew Silverman, Project Manager at George Mason University. How are you, sir? Doing well. Thank you very much. It's kind of in the middle of where they are. It's cold, but no precept here. So that's see, that's not that's not too bad. That's not so bad. Uh, this month we're going to talk um, about a website I never heard of called Monoprice that uh, that Matt turned us on to. Um, Infocom is coming up. The registration has opened, and we're going to tell you about a very cool uh, Super Tuesday event going on. Uh, and uh, finally, uh, Greg Brown pisses off every integrator that I know. Uh, <laughs> but first, uh, let's go down the line and talk about a boatload of projector stories we've got this month. And hey, you know what? Uh, not for nothing, but we're education guys, and this is kind of where we live, right? Uh, first one, Epson has a 7,000 lumen projector. It only uses one lamp. Um, I saw this at first, and I'm like, okay, d- d- okay, great, sort of. Um, but the more I thought about it, uh, the more I was like, okay, this is this actually is a cool thing. Uh, Scott, the one question I have, though, and besides the other um, stuff they have, like HD base T and, um, and other HD stuff, do you think that Epson maybe is going down the right line in consolidating and getting the technology ramping up to do 7,000 lumens with just one lamp? Or maybe they should have gone down the road of you know, LED or laser, which we'll get to here in a second. You know, when I first read this, um, I was kind of like – I started reading it and I wasn't very excited about it and I kept scrolling and reading more. And then I started thinking, okay, so you know, this is an installation projector. And I was saying, you know, why do you want one lamp? Because two lamp in an installation projector is going to give you more uh, redundancy. And then I go down to the bottom where they list the price 
And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, this is why. I mean, this is a killer projector for a really reasonable price. Yeah. Um, so I think there are some questions now about, you know, are lamps the, the, the way of the future or not? Um, but I think we've got some ways to go there. And, and if you can get a 7,000 lumen projector with, you know, all of these features – um, for what they're listing an MSRP of forty-seven ninety-nine, um, wow, that's that's a pretty good deal. I don't use Epson, but I'm telling you, um, <laughs> this article may have me looking into them. Well, and the thing is, one I, I do use Epson, so I know this off the top of my head. They have something called Brighter Futures, which is yep. the education-based yep. uh, pricing. Um, nine times out of ten, most people can't touch them when you're talking about. When you use that specific price point, um, not obviously not the MSRP, but but that one specifically, um, Matt. A few years ago, a few 10, 12 years ago, it used to be one dollar for every lumen, right? Yeah, that was kind yeah, of the yeah. rule of thumb. We have gone way beyond that, haven't we? Yeah, we, no, we really have. I mean, th this is really just phenomenal. As Scott said, th these are projectors that not even list price, but cost to us. For the same functionality set, a year ago we were probably looking ten, twelve thousand dollar range because wow. you're talking about edge blending, you're talking mm -hmm. about uh, SDI, you're talking about you know HDMI, full digital, HD base T, which just wasn't even there a year ago. All of that, you know, coming in probably at a cost to us at definitely a sub six thousand dollar price point, possibly even closer to five K. Because I haven't seen you know brighter futures on this yet. So it, it, it's just really phenomenal. And the lamp, is in, the lamp part is an interesting conversation because I'm not sh quite sure I buy some of the ROI comments about lamp-free projectors yet. But it, it's definitely showing how commodity-based projection is becoming. Mm -hmm. And that what may be better for people to start looking is, is at feature sets and you know, with projectors becoming more of a commodity – really looking at what projector provides the best feature set at the best price point rather than some of our brand loyalty that we've had historically. Well, and the other thing, Greg, is the fact that Matt mentioned it is the fact that a year ago, HD base T wasn't there, right? This is baked into it. And I don't know if this is a dirty secret or not, but both AMX and Crestron's twisted pair, you know, HD over twisted pair is, is, is based on HD base T, so in essence, you could have you know a point to point uh, twisted pair, you know HD twist over twisted pair solution there. Um, is well, that? It, you know, go ahead. I'll, I'll 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 believe that works when I see it. Um, you You're know, so there's cheated. a whole lot. Well, you know, it's been doing this for 15 years. What do you expect? <laughs> there is that. All all this HD base T stuff. You know, it's supposed to, everything is supposed to work with everything else. Great. Every, everybody who has experienced that, please, you know, stand up. Um, I actually have. Uh, Matt, Matt, is Matt is standing. Matt is standing right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Matt, shut up! You're not helping. Uh, <laughs> Greg's in a surly mood this no, week. I'm, Don't I'm, tick I'm, him I'm, off. I'm I'm dealing with all sorts of uh, cat extender issues with uh, uh, right now. So because um, you're using the ones built in North Korea. Um, actually, they're built by a Taiwanese company that tries to play it out itself off as a Bay Area company. But um, I we've probably 
alienated enough people with this show already. <laughs> um, but no, I think that's um, I think it's a pretty cool projector. Um, I think I, I agree with Scott that yeah, we're kind of not sure where lamps are going. Um, and I, I, particularly on the bottom end of the market. So I think this is kind of a, this is a smart place for Epson to go more up into the midsize projector. And I think that's where the money is going to stay for a little longer. I, I think the whole bottom end is going to turn into a real free for all here with, with lasers and, you know, all you think the, that's where the, I'm sorry, you think that's where the, the lasers are going to be and in the bottom end, bottom end, not the. At the higher end, five and ten thousand. I think it's. I think it's going to be a while before they get up to that level. Okay. Yeah, there was a really interesting. Um, uh, it was a. It was at the Projector Summit last year. It was a guy from Christie, was talking about, a lot of the challenges they face to get up into that range. And it seemed like what they were saying is that they thought it was going to be a, a good few years before we really saw things, you know, get up more than about four or 5,000 or so. We'll okay. see. Um, but I think this is a smart move for Pan for Epson. Um, it, it's definitely, you know, competition for the, the midsize Panasonics and Mitsubishis. I mean, we use a Panasonic and it, it was about $8,500 um uh in in this sort of range so uh this certainly undercuts that so um it's certainly a lot of bang for the buck but uh, hey you know i'll give them credit for for marching into this area you know i, I will just jump in here and say one thing i think that that matt's gonna like which is i've heard matt talk about hd base t probably since we did our first show over a year ago right yeah yeah, yeah. And I've always been like, you know, we'll see, we'll see. Well, having that on this projector at this price all of a sudden makes me go, wow, now I've got to look into this. Because some of the other products, we just talked about Crestron with DM and, you know, other things. All of a sudden, that if I can get just a, you know, HD base T extender in a closet, all of a sudden I've just made my wiring a whole lot simple and cheaper. Yep. You know, this, this has the potential of lowering my entire project cost. Um, it, so I, I find that to be really exciting. At the same time, I've got to say, Greg, I'm with you. Um, and I've got some extenders from a company in California as well, <clears throat> not up north though. Um, and I have just had headaches with those that, that just I, I can't even explain. Um, so I'm a little nervous about that, but I think that um, the fact that this is a standard and it's not some proprietary protocol um, – it makes me feel a lot better. Well, and, and I'm now, now, cautiously I, I, optimistic. And, and what I will say, Scott, something I just you said, it, it, it's a manufacturer standard, and there are compliance tests. This is not by any means a consensus standard like an ANSI or an ISO. No. No, but it's a standard in as much as AVB is. Well, it, it's a little bit different. Uh, HD base T is a manufacturer standard. It's not like AVB or some of the other standards, which are uh, consensus standards like uh, ANSI or ISO or IEEE. Um, it's uh, basically a consortium of people using the Valorant's chipset, which is what powers HD base T, and they do actually have a certification process. And I know we talk about some of the major manufacturers, but one thing to think about is there's also a lot of other manufacturers out there uh, like Kramer, uh, Aurora Multimedia, I'm trying to think of some of the others, which are actually starting to get a certified product onto market. And you can start looking in the future, I'm sure, where you'll be able to mix and match and build the right set of boxes or projectors you need. So 
this gives you an interesting solution where you can eliminate that extra box you need up in the ceiling. See, that's kind of cool is the ability to not be married to one manufacturer. Um, I think is a, is a unique and, and very liberating, <laughs> um, a very liberating thing to have. So, oh, don't worry, they'll find a way to mess it up. Hey, you are awfully <laughs> jaded this week. Um, all right, so let's talk about really crazy technologies that I'm playing the cynic on today's show. Yeah, you'd be. Uh, Greg didn't get his nap, and <laughs> or his round of golf, or surfing, or whatever crazy thing. Yeah, it was, I was out late getting taken to dinner by my Crestron rep. What can I say? Jeez. Anyhow, um, crazy technology that I'm scared of because Greg's scared of HD base T is wireless. Um, I, I, my caveat for this whole discussion is the fact that I've never met a wireless video system that I've liked. Um, anything from everything from USB um, transmitters and receivers to full on, um, you know, big big boxes that you know uh, created all kinds of noise and still trying to do you know uh, wireless video over rf and over various other things i just have not met one that has been successful from, from my standards um but matt barco bought a wind um and uh, a wind well let's see they do wireless high resolution video and audio Okay, what are they thinking? I mean, what's Barco thinking? I guess is is are they trying to just say, you know what, screw this HD base T and AVB stuff, uh, we're going to go wireless? Is that what they're going for? I I think it's a tremendously good acquisition. Uh, really? Barco right. has a product on the market called the ClickShare, which I've had a chance to play with, and while I won't say it's the, uh, uh, fits all sizes product it's actually a really really solid product in a conference room where basically you have a usb dongle you can plug into any pc or mac install a small little piece of software on your computer and you're now sending video wirelessly over a out of band wireless so you're going over a basically direct from that dongle to uh the barco receiver and it's it works, and I believe at ISE, Barco announced that they were adding uh, iPad uh, and some additional functionality to the device. Uh, this is a really, really good strategic uh, acquisition because from what I understand, uh, AWIN makes a lot of the chipset internals for a lot of the other wireless uh, products out on the market. So really, this is kind of, I guess, like how Apple has consolidated its supply chain Barco's now buying the people they were buying chips from. Oh. So I think this is a great acquisition. My only concern that I would see is for the other people that AWIN was supplying chips for, what does it do in the marketplace? And AWIN also has a couple of its own branded products, which are actually look quite interesting as well. It eliminates them all, Mr. Suleiman. That's <laughs> what it does. Um, <laughs> Greg, I'll save you for last because you're so jaded this week. Um, <laughs> uh, Scott, is this a good acquisition, like Matt says, for for Barco? Um, besides the fact that it's who they were buying chips from, is it a, is it a good overall acquisition? I I hope that it's it's a ends up being a fantastic acquisition. I think from what I read, I I haven't played with ClickShare like like Matt has. I've seen I've seen it in person. I haven't actually just been able to do it myself. Um, I think it, it that looks to me like a fantastic product, and, and um, it's interesting because Barco's not 
uh, a manufacturer that at least I deal a lot with, right? They're so high end. Mm -hmm. And so I think though that they're seeing this niche in there and, and this need to do this wireless uh, video and they're really going after it and hopefully they're going to do it well. I think that ClickShare has done really well. Um, I'm actually interested in getting some here and, and I start out like you, Tim. I'm like, give me a wire yeah. <laughs> any day of the week. Uh, I can't stand wireless. Even like wireless networking, I, I don't like. It just, you know, it's it's not reliable. Um, but this product really has, again, has got me kind of wondering and thinking, man, if they're really making a move into this and, it, and they've already shown us they can do some things well, um, this might be a really uh, exciting product. Yeah. All right, Mr. Jaded. Uh <laughs> <laughs> give, give it to give it to Barco for at least trying uh, to move well, into you know yeah no definitely I think I think this was a was probably a good move for them I I really don't know what it means because I don't know Barco's intent um, are they intending to just back something that they're hoping will become the standard or is are all these other companies now going to jump ship because they're beholden to their competitor for their chips? You know, I, I don't know really what Barco is thinking about this whole thing. And, and, and I've had some dealings with Barco, and I don't know if you, if we put together a list of sort of well-managed, innovative, forward-thinking video projector companies, I dare say Barco would unlikely would probably not make the cut. So I, I agree with. Uh, Matt, that ClickShare is great. I don't know how in the world they came up with that. Um, but that's a neat product. So we'll see. I, I, I really don't know what Barco is going to do. They, they could either make this a good thing or they could really screw thing up, things up for a lot of people. But you know, maybe that will push us towards a standard by getting all of these other companies to realize, hey, you know, we need to settle on a standard. Otherwise, you know, we're going to have more big guys come in and buy up our suppliers. Yeah, and and you know that's the other thing is is a standard will also help us end users um, be able to put you know put a little bit more stock into uh, wireless video. You know, Greg, it's funny you say that about uh, you don't know where Barco came up with this because you know in in preparation for this show, like I'm sure we all do, um, <laughs> I was doing some research on this and, and AV. You, you mean thirty minutes ago? <laughs> AV Technology Magazine had an interesting uh, interview with. Um, I think it was one of the development engineers for Barco. And it was funny because I read the questions they asked essentially like you just did, which is, which is how did Barco ever come up with this idea? <laughs> are you saying they still have shag carpeting in their corporate offices? Is that what you guys are saying? Yeah, I believe they've got plush shag carpet. Plush shag carpet. All right. Poor, poor They're Barco. They're a strange company. Are they a German company? Well, they're, I believe Greg they're in thinks Belgium. So. Greg, yeah, Greg thinks well, so. <laughs> yeah, we're running joke going on here oh. off, off offline. Um, they're well, they're in they're in Belgium, so close enough. What the heck, you know, Germany has invaded enough times, so they probably speak German there now, anyway. So now we've offended a whole country as well. I, hey, you I'm know sure what? what? It's the it's that. the seat of the EU. They don't really have a whole lot to be offended about. They got all the power, all the euros. So. Uh, well, one other one other real quick projector story and uh, technology that I'm also freaked out about. Or not freaked out, just, again, I believe it when I see it type thing. And that's Sony's laser projectors. And they've got a, a, another one out um, that they claim, and, and we're going to get into this in a second, uh, so we're going to kick this off with our, our standards guy, Mr. Silverman. 
Uh, Matt, first of all, do you believe that they have a 4,000 lumens brightness projector? And second part of this question is, uh, are we getting to a point where we are going to have to find something other than lumens to compare apples to apples across the spectrum on projectors, whether it's laser or LED or, or an LCD? Um, I'll say that's a definitive maybe on the 4,000 lumens. Um, there actually is an ISO standard on how to measure lumens when it comes to marketing material. Um, however, I'm not 100% familiar with it, but I believe there is a slight margin of error and allows for controlled conditions. So like every other projector, that may not be um, 4,000 lumens in your situation. Um I also remember that when uh, Panasonic was having their uh, laser LED hybrids rolling out, they started with a kind of a uh, variable brightness where they weren't quite sure how to call it and finally ended up uh, settling around 3,500 lumens. So I, I think it's good. Um, you know, it's lampless, so that that's always a plus, but I'm not quite sure on what the ROI really is, uh, you know, if there's an increased cost. I've seen it, and I, I, I got a chance to see this. They they brought it in on a, on a non-disclosure, uh, late last fall. Say when and, did it expire? <laughs> <laughs> well, in, in the in that there are press releases, I I kind of assume okay, I can talk I'm about it now. Okay, I'm just making sure. <laughs> oh, like like you guys are really concerned about me getting in trouble. No, no, uh, no, not at all. Matter of <laughs> fact, we're going to do a story later about you getting in trouble. But go ahead. Right. We're, we're going to talk about Extron again. No. Um, no, I, I saw this. They um, they had um, uh, a pre-production model. They were about ready to go into production, and they it seemed like they were doing a um, uh, a tour of you know people who knew something about video projectors. Somehow they stumbled upon me, I and. Quiet in the peanut gallery, and um, it was um, it was pretty impressive. I didn't get a chance to to measure the brightness because yeah, I know we would have gotten into that whole thing about there are different ways to measure it, and I can I can measure ANSI brightness, and I'm not quite up on the LED one yet, so <clears throat> I didn't I didn't ask, so I didn't I didn't get a brightness uh, measurement on it, but it looked onto my calibrated eyes to be uh, uh, markedly brighter than the 3500 lumen projectors that we put in uh, pretty regularly. And um, yeah, nice nice feature set, nice inputs. Um, you know, they really, I, I came away sort of feeling, hey, you know, they, they did their homework on this thing and um, we'll, we'll just We'll just have to see what happens. I mean, we are one of those um, one of those places that, you know, when I got here 15 years ago, we we had Sony everything. We had lots and lots of big three gun Sony CRTs, and we had Sony VCRs, and we had Sony DVD players. And today, I think I would be hard pressed to find anything with a Sony name on it anywhere. Um, so. I was impressed. I think it's a good move for them, and I, I wish them luck with it. It'll be interesting to see what sort of uh, buzz it gets at the show. Yeah, uh, Scott, is this something where you would hold back and let, let bigger, uh, not bigger guys, but, but colleges with maybe a little bit more of a budget than, than you or I have, 
to kind of flesh these out, or is this something where you're? Who are you all, referring to there? I am not referring to anyone on this <laughs> call that is on the East or Central or the the East <laughs> or Central time zone. Um, Did I Eighty degrees out here today. Jeez. Yeah, and you still have what half a million dollars left in your budget for the year. All right, Uh, (laughs) uh, Mr. Tyner, is that something you're excited about to to go after, or do you want to kind of let the the market maybe mature a little bit before you start throwing lasers in the ceiling? Well, when I saw this, the first thing I thought was, Sony still makes stuff. Oh, there it is. There it is. (laughs) Then when I got over that. I thought, no, of course they do, because look, it's big, boxy, and ugly. That's exactly what Sony likes to do. Uh, you know, I don't, I'm going to be really honest. I have to make jokes because I know nothing about laser technology. Um, and so for me, I wonder about the benefits um, other than, you know, that it doesn't use lamps. I, I guess I just don't really know enough um, other than to make jokes. <laughs> well, I let me ask you this. Is it, go ahead. I was going to say, do you, is it, do you think, because I think that we need to go to a new standard, and I know. People cringe when when people say we need a new standard, but I think honestly that we need to come up with something other than maybe lumens, uh, because you know lumens and Lamberts and all that other jazz is a totally separate light source and a totally separate thing, and you can't say that this laser or an LED is going to give you four thousand lumens and it's going to equal the lumens that an LCD is going to give you. Or am I incorrect in that, guys? No, no you, you, you're not. And, and realize lumens is purely a measure of brightness. So it doesn't tell you about a quality of an image. Um, there, you know, There's uh, one Infocom standard, which is already out, on uh, projected image contrast ratio. And there's another one in development on projected image size. And one of the things that both of those groups have really looked at is the whole science of visual acuity and what the human eye sees. And an input into both of those measurements, lumens is one factor of many. And I think there may be something that can be put together as this work and this research is done, where maybe there's a rating or some sort of measurement that could be done, which is more appropriate for the facility it's going into. And it's not just solely based on, you know, the equipment in an abstract. Yeah, that well, that would be nice, Max. I think that's what I think we talked about that a little bit before we talked about standards. It's this idea that you know, you, you stick a this you know wonderfully bright projector in a room, you know, seven eight thousand lumens. It's got this super high resolution, and yet you do nothing about the lights, you do nothing about the screens. You know, the, the image isn't even straight on the screen, and and so so what if it's seven thousand lumens, or so what if it's not? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I've heard a bunch of the criticism about the, uh, I believe it's the Panasonic and uh, the Panasonic laser projector and how the greens are a little funky looking. Um, I have not seen that projector personally, so I don't know. But I did get a chance to see some, uh, some you know, grass green type uh, source material on this. And it looked pretty, it looked pretty darn good. I was not seeing anything uh, color or image wise uh at all that that you know raised any sort of uh flag in my mind it was a really nice uh very nice clear picture um and yeah scott it is it's not pretty but thank god it's not round 
<laughs> oh yeah. What is that about? What's that? You What's, know, for no, for the, years yeah. they were making those round projectors. Sony was. I'm like, what's up with that? If you go to Projector Central, uh, Scott, and and type in, you know, and you, you know, on Projector Central, you can filter out different results. Just pick Sony and like you know a two or three thousand lumens projector, and that's almost all you're going to see are these little round, almost looks like a fruitcake tin, right? I was thinking I've got a I got a hat box hanging yeah, from hat my box. ceiling. I guess I've, I haven't seen we like like Greg said earlier. I we just we when I started here we had Sony everything, and I haven't seen a um, you know we just don't do it anymore. We just don't have any Sonys left, so I haven't seen one in a while. Poor Sony. Uh, they, they, that's what they get for killing the mini disc player. So um, <clears throat> that's an old radio thing. So don't worry about it. Uh, I'm a little bit better about that, huh, Tim? You know what? I still love my mini discs. So I still have some somewhere with with old uh, old air checks on them. Um, all right, from CE Pro, Mono Price touts 141 percent revenue growth, and Mr. Tyner and I go, "What's Mono Price?" <laughs> Yeah, me too. I was not familiar with. I I had read an article about them just like the a day or two prior on LinkedIn somewhere, but that was my first introduction to uh, Monoprice. All right, so apparently these guys are huge. Not huge. It's a good size um, e-commerce site. And um, Matt, you're the one who who sent me the article on it. So give me kind of a, a synopsis of what Monoprice is, and and this is actually kind of cool for them. Yeah, um, Monoprice is a very low price cable company. It's kind of a no, uh, no fuss, no muss. And we buy a lot of our uh, cable product through them, anything from uh, control cable uh, and pretty much all of our preterm HDMI, DVI, uh, VGAs. Uh, and we're saving, I would say, as much as 80 to 90% off of brand name cable. Uh, where we're paying, you know, five bucks for an HDMI cable. Wow. We've tested it, you know, next to a Tron cable, you know, pick your Tron of choice. Um, (laughs) And it's worked. You know, there's a couple of cables that we found that aren't so bad. So I do, you know, aren't the, the absolute best. So I do recommend, you know, spending 20 bucks and ordering one of each of the cables you typically use to make sure they're good. But when we do our in-house installations, we buy most of our cable from them, and um, it, it saves us a lot of money. And it's it's one of these companies that just it's been a word of mouth uh, type of thing. I, I found out about them I think on an AV1 uh, list post or something like that. Uh, we did a small order for one project, and then we did about a thousand dollar order for a whole summer's worth of builds. And they've been great. And for us, uh, one of the big things is they, they actually already had navigated the Virginia State Procurement System, which is one of our big problems, that we can't find registered vendors. Hmm. So, uh, And really, the customer support from them, we, we've had a couple of times we ordered the wrong cable or something of that fashion. And everything always shows up on time, and they've actually helped us do swaps without a problem. So... We love them. You know, their growth has been, you know, blockbuster. I mean, actually, it seems to be largely in the resi sector. But I also do know uh, some integrators who are starting to source cable from them. And one of the things that was mentioned in this uh, 
in this article is they now, for integrators, have a no logo program. So if you end up getting that mysterious cable without a logo on it, I'd say there's probably good odds that you're getting a monoprice cable. So that, so somebody can't go out and shop it well, is, see, the, is the idea. And I was going to bring that up. Yeah. yeah. Um, because, yes, that's great for integrators, but what about us? <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I get I, – I, I appreciate your, your – uh, your, your experience with them, but that is, I, I think, if you're if you don't know about them and you're not using them and you're using your integrator for for cabling, um, no, I, I kind of see that as as somewhat of a detriment for guys who aren't the th- the four of us, right? Um, if it's somebody who's just starting out in AV and um, the uh, the person before them, well, you know, I just always order my cable from the integrator, you know, I don't know. What does, so I uh, so Matt tell me a little bit more about that because I guess I didn't understand it. I thought that they didn't put name brands on their web page, but do they make their own cable? I mean, how do you get a cable yeah, without a all, name brand on it? Okay, well, no, it's actually Both. they remove they remove the monoprice from the cable. Most of their cables are either stamped or branded monoprice when you get them. Okay. So the idea is they provide private label cables to the integrators that don't say monoprice on them. So it says Scott Tyner's AV systems, or it just has yeah. nothing. It just, yeah. it just, uh, it yeah, just has. It, it doesn't have any sort of brand name, so the customer can't. It, particularly when you're doing the parts list, or you're doing the. Um, they, there's a lot of controversy now where people are requiring, when when you bid a project, they want everything broken down and they want the cost for every piece, and if you put, you know. Um, Scott's tech company cables, and somebody can can price those from somebody and find them, or or or, or like Matt was saying, you know, your your Tron de jour, um, and and somebody can find the cables from a cheaper source. They'll pull out all the cables. Well, certainly all of our purchasing agents would pull out all of the cables and buy them from a from another source. But if you have them with no label, no information, no brand, they can't say that they're equivalent because they're not, you know, a particular make and model from a particular company. Yeah. And what I will say is, you know, spend some time on their website. They have more technical information about their cables than actually most of the major manufacturers. And that gets into the, like the preterm or the HDMI. So you even get into what is your cable gauge. You get into, you know, what sort of rating it has, whether you're looking for like plenum rated cable or things like that. And so we've really found that pretty much any time we need a cable, they generally have it. I'm actually looking at it right now, and I've seen something I've never seen, which is a um, component video splitter. Passive. That's that's an interesting a component, thing. A passive component video splitter. Yeah. That doesn't – ooh. It almost sounds like, <laughs> a, like, a, like a VGA-Y, <laughs> you know. It's wait, wait, pretty wait. much exactly what yeah. it is. I used to buy those when I was like, you know, 16 and didn't know anybody. <laughs> you mean going going from a, a VGA At to Jack. BNCs? No, I, nope. years ago they used to sell VGA-Ys where you would put uh, one VGA, it would be a, uh, I guess it would be a female. You plug that in the back of the computer. It would have two um, more females, um, or one male and two females, and you could split it and one would go to your monitor and one would go to um, right. your, your projector. But what that does in effect is it, it it doesn't quite equally split your brightness level in half. Right. Yeah, you, you kind of had to pray that you had a good video card, which was driving it. 
Right. This is uh, no. This takes the you know the three RCAs out of a component and and gives you two, so you can split going. You know, oh. take out of a Blu-ray. Let's say not anymore, of course, but uh, okay. and go to two. Got go it. To, go to two monitors with it. Hmm. Well, I'm, this is this is an educational show for me today. <laughs> me too, because I'm now I'm going to have to at least price these guys when it comes to my summer installs. Because they do, so. they, apparently they do a lot more than cables too. I mean, got home theater here. They've got switches, networking. Yeah, we we've really just worked with them on cables. Um, I know. I think they were at CES this they sell year. Ink. I think they were at CDA Sorry. before, and I think they actually were at Infocom for the very first time last year. I'm I'm guessing they'll probably be there as well this year. They sell what? They sell ink. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Oh. All right, so next week our new sponsor will be Monoprice. And, <laughs> you know. well, if we actually, if we actually found a company we haven't completely had. No. And I'm well, okay they with that. They, they, say they, they say they don't advertise. They're strictly work word of mouth. So this show would be perfect for this them. This show would be perfect. We don't, <laughs> we don't advertise either. So, um, All right. And from Engadget, Netgear PTV 3000 updated. Uh, here's another uh, Android device that is giving us Miracast, and if you don't know what Miracast is, um, poor man's version is uh, it's like Apple TV, only better because it's on Android. <laughs> um, this is kind of cool though, um, and uh, both um, both uh, Mr. Silverman and uh, Mr. Brown, uh, I guess Scott and I are the Luddites on the show this week, um, have seen a product actually from Crestron. Huh? What else is new? Did you just say what else is new? Who me? Yes. Never mind. Um, this is kind of cool because it gives people the the opportunity to, you know what, if you want to show what's on your, your Android device and you don't have, how do I put this? Because you can't do it through Apple TV. If you, if you want to do something on your tablet or your phone and you don't have an Apple product, this gives you that ability. Uh, but you guys also saw something from Crestron that does, uh, that kind of integrates with this, Correct. Oh, it, it, it's not exactly it integrates with this. It's kind of the next yeah, step. Yeah. Okay. Um, it, this product, let me just talk quickly about the Netgear. It's really cool. It's the first Miracast-ready receiver I've seen. It also supports WIDI, which is Intel's uh, wireless projection standard, which will work right. on a lot of PCs. So this product in of itself is pretty cool. But the product... Is, is it the- is it the first thing that combines those two, Matt? I have not seen that before. I haven't seen well, it before either. Basically, Intel has supported a development path to retro, or I guess the Miracast standard will include cap- uh, compatibility with Weddy. So, pretty much, if you have Weddy, it should okay. work with Miracast. Okay. Uh, that, that that they're going on that development path. But okay, what was really cool is kind of like the next generation of this is at the Crush Run Roadshow I was at in f- early February. They had a unnamed network video product, which supposedly will be working with Apple, um, PC, uh, iDevices, and Android. And it's enterprise-friendly, and you basically install a client on whatever your device is. And kind of like Barco's ClickShare that we talked about earlier you'll be able to send your signal and actually up to four signals at the same time over the network so you can go wireless to wired to this device and project. And think, 
Think of uh, think of like the Barco ClickShare, but without the dongles. That's oh, it. Yes. Well, it's it is it, it is the Android version of Apple TV, right? Uh, and uh, I shouldn't say Apple TV, but of AirPlay. Well, Miracast is a little bit broader. The product we saw actually wasn't a Miracast product, or we're not right. sure. They they didn't right. quite tell us. <laughs> Yeah, they they didn't. We all all we knew all we know is that it is wireless and it is like a single box version of doing the same thing the ClickShare does, where multiple where where people can either alternate showing their their information or you can put multiple people up at one time. They were kind of cagey about the technology behind it. Hmm. And 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 wireless is actually a misnomer. It, it's actually a wired network product. But you can connect through any network, including a wireless network, so long as you can talk to this device. And right, basically, right. it's a network in, an RJ45 network port in, and either HDMI or VGA out, and a power supply. And that's it. Uh, but the interesting thing, on for those of us who do a lot of Crestron, supposedly, there, I'm not sure if it's going to be either via an API or through an Ethernet-based simple symbol, but we'll be able to actually interface and tie this product into our control systems as well. Now, is there any idea, you know, Crestron's famous for talking about this stuff and either taking forever to put it out or never putting it out. Is there any idea when it's going to come out? Or They wouldn't do that, would they? Well, I'm thinking of I'm the... Sorry. Go ahead. Well, remember, I'm 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 new to Crestron. I'm I'm just used to an, another Tron that would that would hit us with vaporware all the time, or or actually not vaporware. It's just they would announce something and come out with it two years later. Well, what was the device that we talked about on the show from Infocom that was um, a streaming device you could plug into your eight by eight? Yes, the uh, the the DMCO uh, seven seventy, which funny enough, I've actually got confirmation will be shipping soon. Uh, soon, 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 soon being sometime in the next three to you know nine months, but uh, <laughs> that's yeah, right around the corner. It, in, no, time it, it, the, in time for the show. Let's put it this way: the, the skew, I believe, has actually made it to their parts list, so that means we've moved a step forward in development process. So on, I, on, on this one, though, what I've heard, and you know, our mileage always varies, is. Maybe may announce on this. I definitely think we'll see it at the show. The fact that they've been taking it around publicly at road shows, which aren't NDA'd, um, makes me think that it's coming to market. It's just a matter of when. And, that, that, and so, that's a good point. Yeah, the fact that they're they're taking it around to to people to see. You know, I think the interesting part of all of this is it for me is more about the Miracast and the fact that this is. Um, it's not just for tablets, right? So Miracast is a standard that they're thinking about putting in. Mm-hmm. Somebody can put it into a monitor. Somebody can put it into a computer. And I think the real beauty of it is if it works like AirPlay, which is you don't have to get a client, that it's, it's there. You know, it's built into Windows. It's built into Droid. Because uh, I think once you start downloading clients, it becomes um, just a little more unwieldy. I think the, the power of it, though, what we've seen with our Apple, t- with our Apple TVs is – it gives that professor or the student just the complete ability to move anywhere in the room, you know, sit down with the students mm-hmm. and, and teach the class. So I, I think there's a, a ton of capability here. Um, and so we'll see, you know, who if, 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 uh, if a 
you know, industry standard wins out or if uh, one company comes up with a solution that wins that wins out. Well, and, and Scott, to even reinforce your point, Miracast is being endorsed by the Wi-Fi Alliance, the guys who do, you know, wireless. And so it has some pretty major backers and it also has one major advantage over Apple TVs is you don't have any of the pesky networking issues you have with an Apple TV. Right. And so, you don't have to own an Apple to use it. That's true. All right, let me ask you this, guys. Um, <laughs> not to, yeah, I, I like Apple, so I'm not, I'm not pounding on them. But are we getting to the point where we need to either install both, or where we go the way of um, the the rest of the world when it comes to Android, and we install this instead of? I mean, if, if somebody is looking at a product where you can quote unquote wirelessly send video, you know, to your projector. And they haven't done it yet. They haven't pulled the trigger. Are we looking at a, at a case where they've got the Apple or they have the, the Android devices and they, should we go with the Android device? Well, I have um, yet to be asked to support somebody trying to put an Android device on a projector. Okay. Ditto. I would agree with that statement. Have you been asked to put an Apple device on the projector wirelessly? Yes. yes. Wow. Okay. There you go. And have been asked and have done. And have done, yeah. yeah. And from our perspective, we've been asked. Uh, it's a no-go based on our network topology for us. So that's where I'm hoping something like this Crestron device could provide that middle ground, even if it requires an app. Yeah. And I, I get that. And I think here's the thing. I think that's where some of the Android... And or even, and let's not forget that Microsoft is still in the hunt here with, with the their tablet. Um, I, I think that, that somebody may come along that's a little more uh, enterprise friendly <laughs> than than Apple is, and they may you know they may eventually you know steal their lunch. So like like right. that would be hard. It wouldn't. It, 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 I mean, here's the thing: we, we all we were all alive in the '80s, and we we all kind of saw the same thing happen. You know, and it's, I don't think Matt was alive in the '80s. Oh, never mind then. I, I, I was. I'm, I'm, yes, I'm not that young. But. <laughs> You're awfully young, though. <laughs> I'll say stuff from time to time in, in my classes. I made a, I made a, a Beck reference, and if you don't know who Beck is, it's a, a, a uh, artist from the early 90s. I made a Beck reference in one of my classes the other day, and literally, I think I could hear the the uh, the crickets going off in their heads. Um, so, yeah. Now, so, so Matt. What part of the '80s were you alive in? Whole, <laughs> yeah, let's get let's, let's drill it down. Let's drill it down. <laughs> I, I, I was born in the late '70s. Does that help? So really? yeah, you're there. Okay, all so, right. Um, MTV ran a special the other day. It's the 30th anniversary, by the way, of Thriller. So I thought That's we were, I, I thought you were going to talk about Downtown Julie Brown. Oh, <laughs> I loved Downtown Julie Brown. I had a, I had a crush on her when I was a kid. Um, uh, no, but I, I purchased the the album. Uh, of Thriller uh, 30 years ago, <laughs> so it made me feel a little old. And, and actually, I do remember Thriller on vinyl, so there you Absolutely. go. Absolutely. I've, I've got some of the songs from that album still. Yeah. yeah so. All right. Um, this isn't a – we don't usually talk about uh, politics on this show um, or on the other ones just because, you know what, uh, uh, well, there was an old adage in radio. You don't talk about um, religion, uh, politics, or abortion on the radio if you don't want people to listen to you, so we don't typically – T- well, touch we, that. We don't have we don't have people listen to us. So well, there you go. Um, <laughs> no, Mr. Klein's listening very carefully, and I'll you know we'll, we'll get an email if we don't. Okay. Um, he, and he's sitting right next to Mr. Edwards, who is you know listening. Um, 
Uh, they're sharing a soda pop. Um, the uh, House That's Education, oh hush, House Education and Workforce Ranking member George Miller introduced the quote unquote Transforming Education Through Technology Act, HR 521. Uh, here's what it means, and I, I, I'm just going to pass it around to you guys and see what you think. Um, Scott, we'll kick it off with you. This says it would establish a $500 million block grant. Now, granted, uh, for technology in the classroom. Let me finish my sentence there. Um, granted, we're recording this the 1st of March. Something called the um, sequestration is happening, and you know, massive cuts are being leveled across the board. Um, but here's the thing. I, I think, personally, that it would be a good thing to get more technology in, inside the classrooms because, honestly, it helps the kids learn. It really does. They're growing up in a world of iPods and tablets. And for them to leave that world, their home, and walk into, you know, the classroom of, of my youth, uh, which was, you know, a, a chalkboard and a lovely woman standing up there for, for eight hours a day. Um, am I wrong in that, or, or am I just uh, silly in thinking that this is going to go through? Um, I don't know. I never saw your teacher, so I don't know if she was a lovely woman. She or was not. a very lovely woman. Her but, name was, um, was Mrs. Litchfield, and she had a, an affair with my principal. I, <laughs> I will tell you, you know, it, it's so funny because, uh, you know, we work in technology and education, but education's a, it's just a passion of mine for a number of reasons, and um, I truly believe that educate that education can be transformed with technology yep. uh, and um, now without going to you know my wife is is a is an administrator in a school district now and we talk with her all the time about I, I, I think it's bizarre that when kids walk into schools we tell them to put their cell phones away mm-hmm. you know this is their life and you know if you want school to relate to them you don't tell them to put stuff away that is is all of our lives. It just it makes no sense. And so for me, uh, the technology, especially for, for children who come from you know um, lower socioeconomic backgrounds, the technology can transform things um, for them completely. So I am you know all in favor with it, not just for the technology, but putting people in the schools who can help explain how this things they can do with this technology, um, and really kind of just changing how we how we look at it and how it's used in schools. Uh, Matt, do you think this is, I mean, you're, you're in the beltway, so, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that you know anything on this, but, uh, is this a good idea here that, that just, to, and I agree with, with Scott, you know, the, the more technology, the, the more you're going to attach to these, you're going to, you're going to reach the, the kids. Uh, you know, it, it's something which I, I guess gives me a little pause for thinking. I think it's a fantastic idea. I do think we need technology, but, you know, as I read kind of the summary on this, one of my concerns is that. They're using technology as a substitute for curriculum, and it's a big conversation we've actually been having, you know, at the university level, where, in my opinion, technology is an enabler, but it doesn't substitute for proper curricular design. And I see a lot of people say we need more tech in the classroom. We need more tech in the classroom. And I say, well, have you stopped to think about how you're going to use that tech? So. I'm all supportive. I mean, this is definitely trying to put money in K-12, which is which is great. Um, the big concern I also have being in higher ed is the downstream effect on us because we're already seeing the millennials come to our campuses. And while we may have the tech in the classroom, 
our instructors at the higher education level may not all be utilizing the technology. So th there, there's just no continuity of the experience for the students. Is that because they're not keeping up to date and so they didn't grow up or they didn't come of age or, or, be, or begin their careers in technology so they're not, they're not you know, educating themselves? A lot of that is. I mean, it's something which I know in Virginia, there's been a lot of uh, discussion at our uh, state council of higher education. There's actually a statewide curricular redesign initiative where it, it just no, a lot of our more seasoned instructors have taught the same way for 20, 30, 40 plus years and see no reason to change which means they may, as you said, you know, not be reaching their students who come in with a cell phone and see nothing wrong with multitasking, whether or not that's helpful. And so they're just not reaching the students in the, in, in the format that they're expecting. Uh, Mr. Brown, is this a good idea for you guys out in California to give, I mean, understand you're not getting the whole $500 million. So, Oh, we, we've got plenty of money. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish. No, I, I, I think, um, I, I think Matt is 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 very right. It's it's not just the money. I mean, we often have plenty of money for a lot of projects, but we we often don't have the steering. We don't have the people with the vision or the ability to get a bunch of people together to do something intelligent on a on a large scale everything is very very factionalized little little fiefdom sort of thing so yeah you know it more more money for technology is not a bad thing but i sort of question how many places have the you know the the ability to really put it to to great use very good uh, all right, uh, you're listening to EdTech. That gentleman there is Greg Brown. We'll get back to him in a second because he's a troublemaker. Uh, Scott Tyners <laughs> from Bates College and Matt Silverman from George Mason. I'm Tim Albright. Um, Mr. Brown, you are... What are did you, I do this Are you time? officially our, our illustrious leader? Uh, of what? Of the Technology <laughs> Managers Council. Oh, of the... <laughs> are you yes. officially that it? Yes, I, I, I am... I am officially the chairman of the Technology Managers Council. I have the official, uh, I have the official signed email attachment. Excellent. So you are yes. the the leader of the Technology <laughs> Managers, which is all of us here. And, and a technology manager, in, in real briefly, is uh, someone who works for an organization, and, and they're responsible for you know the design, the install, and maintain of. Of AV systems, uh, throughout their. If, if you get blamed for any AV not working, you're you a, te might be a technology manager. That sounds like a blog post. All right. Uh, <laughs> speaking of which, you're also a uh, a writer, a blogger for the Infocom All Voices blog. Guilty and, as charged. Oh, you're not even starting to get guilty yet. <laughs> Um, uh -oh. You wrote a blog uh -oh. post <clears throat> supposedly on February 17th, and there's a follow-up. Uh, actually, yesterday, I think, is when it went. Why do I have out. this bright light shining down in my face now? <laughs> uh, just the facts. Um, the first one was called Integration Angst in Higher Ed. The other one was called uh, Help Wanted. Actually, that, that wasn't what it was called. Yeah, it was a, uh, Qualified Integrators for Higher Ed. And you, you've caused somewhat of a, of a dust-up. 
Um, and so we're going to talk about it here because we don't have any integrators to, you know, blur us with facts. <laughs> I, 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 I kid. I have a lot of friends who are, who are integrators, right? Um, one, one of my best friends, uh, uh, Mike, Michael Drainer, uh, used to be. Uh, he's, he's since gone on to Sennheiser. So if you, any of you need microphones or, or, you know, headphones, let me know. Um, joking. But seriously, I, I have a lot of friends who are integrators. However, your points are spot on, right? <laughs> there there are times when you get, you know, Johnny, I just started up an integration firm and let's find the the easiest uh the easiest sale to make. Oh, look, there's an education, you know, place. There's a college or a university. They have plenty of money and they don't know what they're talking about. Um and sometimes that's true, right? Um so I want you to kind of go over some of your main points and we'll kind of kick it around and and also, you know, talk about talk a little bit about some of the pushback you've gotten from it. Well, for for the record, the the picture on part one there of the guy taking the the saw to the monitor, I I had nothing to do with that. That was uh, that was my dear friends at uh, at uh, the All Voices blog sort of uh, tossing me under the bus with that one, and. Uh, and yeah, it's it's been interesting to follow the two great big trails on this. The there is one if you go to the Infocom All Voices blog, there's a place to post comments comments, and um, most of those are from higher ed folks. And yeah, most of them just very it it resonated with a lot of folks that have made comments there. And I've also got a lot of uh, email comments from uh, higher ed folks that I know that, uh, that saw it and really enjoyed it and, and thought it was very accurate. Meanwhile, if you go over to LinkedIn, um, Brad Grimes, who, uh, is sort of the editor and coordinator there of the all voices blog. He was, um, former editor of uh, Pro AV Magazine, which was one of our great magazines until it got bought out and unceremoniously offed by one of the big publishing companies. Um, He has a uh, discussion board over on LinkedIn, the Pro AV discussion board. He also posted it there where most of the readers are integrators and... um, uh, it's been interesting to read some of the commentary there. I mean, for, for the record, my, my, my life has not been threatened and, you know, I haven't found a dead horse in my bed or anything like that. I mean, there's been, you know, the occasional black helicopter circling overhead, but, um, you no, know, those, those are the blue helicopters. <laughs> okay, sorry. Believe me, I recognize those. Um, so it's uh, it's it's been interesting to follow. It's been interesting to sort of listen to everybody uh, put in their two cents on the on the whole issue. All right, Mr. Tyner. Um, I'm not. You know, you know what? We, we all like Greg, but um, don't don't pull any punches. What do you think about the blog post in general? You're you're our leader now. We can we can we can not pull punches. Um, I, you know, as he was saying that, I just I had this these um, two words that came to my mind: um, troublemaker. And um, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> like like you said, I think that uh, a lot of it used on me earlier. <laughs> a lot of it is um, what, what was it? Frickin' genius? Was that what I had said? Yes. Um, a lot of it um, is oh, is spot on, yeah. and I and I think when we deal with integrators. Um, 
what I see a lot is, and I think you, you kind of alluded to this in your first article, uh, Greg, um, they're not end users. And they des- design really great systems for on paper. Um, yes. But when you need to use it, when you need to maintain it, um, that's when you start running into trouble. And I think that that's the benefit of uh, having a technology manager help you. And we have an integrator here that we that we we've had a couple examples. One, an integrator that really listens to us and essentially lets us work with their, you know, design, design, you know, give them ideas on their design. Um, and then we had one who wasn't, who was the other way. It's like, oh, no, I mean, I know proper design. I mean, I've got a CTSD <laughs> and uh, PMP and, you know, all in, and they'd come back with a design that just, it, it didn't work um, for us. You know, I, I always think of the, um, you know, and they'll do something beautiful. They'll put this projector in the ceiling and they will just put those wires so darn tight and beautiful into it that you can't take it down and put a new lamp in. You know, and 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 we've told them over, and it doesn't make any sense. Don't do that. We need to replace the lamps. Um, so I I do agree with Greg. I, the other thing I do question, though, here's one thing I do wonder about, and you sp- er, spoke about this earlier, Greg, with um, what you see over in California is have we put some integrators in this position by nitpicking with them what cables they're going to buy um, and, and all that kind of equipment? Are we, are we forcing them to do some things to make some money because um, you know, we're, we're getting picky about what cables they're allowed to buy or not? That's a good point. Well, one of, one of the things we do have different out here, and I, I didn't really get a chance to go into it because, um, be, because I was sort of, you know, couldn't go... I, I couldn't write as much stuff as I wanted to. I had to keep sort of within a within a uh, a limit there as far as length. But one dynamic we do have out here is that if you do the design, you can't do the install. Design build is just plain illegal in higher education in mm. California, um, which I. I find amusing that that's like you know one of the key uh, methods of, of of system design you you read about in all of our books, and you know it's just plain illegal out here. <laughs> um, so that that does open some avenues of abuse there, and and definitely also helps to um, create some of the problem that we see. That's a good point because there's something that, you know, they have to make money, all right? And and if it's a bad one, it's a bad one. Actually, it leads me to another question real quick, guys. Um, how, do you, how do you handle bad designers? How do you handle oh, bad oh, integrators? Oh, oh. And, and the reason I ask is this. Um, something Firearms? That, well, no, no, no. In all seriousness, because we've got... Uh, we have a community, right? We have Infocom, and, and we're, we're all for part of the Technology Managers Council, uh, but we're in, in various parts of the country, right? I mean, we have the, the Northeast, and we have the East, and, and I'm in the Midwest, and Greg's in paradise. Um, so, <laughs> uh, but uh, how do you... So you have a bad designer, right? You have a bad integrator. Besides firing him or her or just never calling them back, do you do anything... Uh, Matt, we'll start with you. Do you do anything... To warn other folks um, in the uh, in the area, I mean, not, not, that that gets a little bit hard uh, because of what you can and can't say, particularly being a state agency. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, what we've done to respond to that is we've taken most of our process in-house. Uh, we do 100% of our design for standard systems in-house. Uh, it's myself and two other people, and we're responsible for providing good systems. So that, that's where the accountability is. Uh, we do outsource some design when it's not something we'll be supporting, and we try to shepherd that process as much as we can. Um, and I would say it's a 50-50 shot that we're going to get what we want or not out of that. Uh, the other thing we've done is taken uh, probably 80% of our non-capital project installation in-house. I was actually in a meeting with um, our um, one, our operations manager the other day, and his comment was, in the past five years, there hasn't been a single project where his staff hasn't had to come behind an integrator and fix a rack. Wow. And it's not one particular integrator. Uh, the big challenge I know we have, and I'm sure you know all, everyone on this call shares, is we don't have the resources to buy at the top of the market. In fact, we're generally dealing with small to medium, occasionally with large firms in the AV integration. And what I found more and more is the, pro the problems I'm seeing, I I'm not going to say all integrators are bad or all designers are bad or all consultants are bad, is generally those who have structured processes do better than those who make it up as they go along. And generally, the smaller the firm is, the less they've thought about how to structure their work. And that goes something Greg mentioned, you know, the, the performance verification checklist. And it goes something we've had to do where I have about a 12-page statement of work, which basically covers every scenario we've run into where a project has gone south, including lovely things like telling integrators they're responsible for their own trash removal. Um, <laughs> I, you laugh, but I once had a room full of boxes and uh, styrofoam, and they said, not our problem. Uh, wow. So that's not someone I choose to do business with anymore, but uh, that's, that's happened. Um, I've had an integrator who uh, caused us to get the first stop work order from our county inspector, on any project I've been involved in in 14 years. Wow. Uh, we, we've never even, I mean, and that goes with electri electrical contractors, plumbers that we've been tangential to. He, I, the county actually stopped work on a site on us, and, I, and, and it floored our facilities group. So, <laughs> I, I, I should have talked to you before I wrote the article. Yeah. Um, and I, I guess what, 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 and it's one of the reasons I've embraced standards so much uh, is because I see that providing process and structure to what we do. And I really look at where we are as being a crucial point in our industry where we either have to mature and kind of do what the IT industry did about 20 years ago or someone will just start taking, you know, we will, we will cease to exist if we can't structure ourselves better in the sense that you know a lot of what we do bleeds over into it and they already know how to do a lot of this so i don't know all right well i was just asking because that's one thing because we don't we can't say anything either because again you're right government mm -hmm. entity um i've just always wondered you know internally we know the integrators that will not be 
invited back to bid meetings, but externally, it's always been a question. Well, so. the, the other thing we've done in Virginia, and I'd recommend this to everyone, is we formed a local uh, state group uh, of basically higher education people who do classroom tech support. And we have an active LinkedIn group, and we also meet three times a year. So we can have a lot of informal conversation that can't be done formally. Unofficially off the record and all that jazz. So. Yeah. yeah, right, exactly. Mm. All right, uh, last but not least, um, hey, that, by the way, uh, Infocom's coming up. <laughs> that, that's the last story. Um, the uh, Infocom 2013, wow. um, by the way, the official hashtag, if those of you on Twitter, is pound sign Infocom 2013. Oh, no, Info, I'm sorry, Infocom 13. You sure it's not IC13? I'm positive. Um, don't, don't worry, somebody will argue about it. Oh, they will. No, we just uh, we just did a uh, an infocom today the other day about this and and got the official word from uh, from the PR um, people. It is officially pound sign infocom thirteen. Now they did say that if you do want to get on the big Twitter board at infocom, uh, they will they will be parsing through you know IC thirteen and ICIA thirteen and all sorts of different ones, but their official one and is that one. So, uh, but all all kidding aside. It's uh, it's the uh, June eighth eighth through the fourteenth. That's the whole entire show. Twelfth, uh, thirteenth, and fourteenth is the actually actually the floor show. Uh, but they have an awful lot of stuff going on. If you haven't registered yet uh, and you are in the education field, a technology manager, um, or, or or just a technology manager in general, you don't have to be in education to be a tech manager. Um, check them out if you would please. Infocomshow.org. Infocomshow.org. Uh, one be thing there I would or be square. Uh, yes, I, one thing I would like to to say uh, kudos and thank you and congratulations is to our outgoing uh, El Presidente, and that is uh, that is Mr. Scott Tyner. So thank you so much, sir, because you uh, you spent <sighs> you spent a couple of years busting your chops, dude. So good for you. Thank you. And now it's Mr. Brown's turn. <laughs> now it's Mr. Brown's turn. Um, what do we have going on as far as you know, as far as tech managers? Um, for uh, for Infocom, I know we have. Um, is, is there a? Go ahead, Brad. Greg. <laughs> well, well, strangely enough, I I have my need, meeting or my notes from the meeting right here. Good. <laughs> we just had yesterday. Um, couple of things. Um, I'd encourage everybody who is in the technology manager arena to uh, take a look at the. Technology Managers Symposium, which is an all-day Super Tuesday uh, class, has a pretty, I think, a pretty stout combination of uh, of uh, presenters and sessions all lined up. Um, some names you might actually recognize, um, and uh, we we. We helped to put that together. We uh, we did a little work ahead of time and came up with some suggestions and lined up some folks and uh, uh, presented that to Infocom and they added some stuff and uh, well, it looks like we've come up with a pretty good combination of things that day. So uh, check that out if you're going to be there Tuesday and then uh, Wednesday our our meeting our technology managers council meeting is actually going to be. Wednesday at three instead of the previous. It seemed how long did we do that for, guys? It seemed like it was like eight o'clock Friday morning for as long many, as I remember. Many years. Yeah, we finally we we must have complained enough. We're going to be Wednesday at three, 
And then uh, following that, Wednesday at 5, we have the, um, I don't have the full, basically we have a reception. I believe the full name, I don't have it in front of me, is the Power of AV for Technology Managers Reception. So we have a little official Infocom-sponsored uh, soiree. Uh, Wednesday at 5 o'clock. So if you are a technology manager, uh, stop by. There's free beer there. What more could you want? And um, am I forgetting anything? Oh, uh, there's actually some technology managers education sessions going on. Greg mm-hmm. and I as well as True. someone else are going to be doing a session called a technology manager's modern day survival guide at 0800 on uh, Wednesday, Um, so, you know, bright and early. And then there's another presentation I'm involved in, which is Enterprise Audiovisual, later in the day on Wednesday as well. Very cool. So, yeah, uh, get yourself signed up for the show itself. Get yourself signed up for some of those classes. Uh, I'm very excited about the Super Tuesday um, event because you guys are – there are a lot of good speakers that day, uh, a lot of really cool speakers that day, and that's a good way to to network other uh, network with other people that do that do what you do on a, on a on a daily and weekly basis. So, and and who's going to be the the MC for that Super Tuesday event and that. introducing the sessions and just being the all around man of introductions and <laughs> timekeeping and isn't that you? That's that part of your gig. No, I think that's I think that's that would Tim. be me. That would be me. But you guys are doing the heavy lifting. I'm just introducing people. You guys are actually doing sessions. So you just get to go up there and look pretty, I guess. Oh, good lord! I hope not. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, when I write my bio, Tim, I'll try to keep it under ten minutes. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, no, it's, it, check out infocomshow.org. Uh, sign up for it. Sign up for the classes and uh, get yourself invited to that. Um, to that uh, that reception, and also come to the meeting. You know, three o'clock on Wednesday is not too bad, and and right afterwards is always the Extron Bash. Um, so, oh, oh, wait, wait. sorry, I couldn't, you had I couldn't resist. I was, Tim, I was panicking for me. I'm like, oh my god, I haven't got an invitation <laughs> oh to that yet. That's awesome. Sorry, I couldn't. You know, resist. actually, when I when I saw the uh, the this listed in the in the notes on the show that we were going to talk about Infocom, yeah. my my first thought was, oh. God, there it goes. That's that's going to be our intro into another Bash Extron session. I'm not going to Bash. They will be at, UB, <laughs> they will be at UB Tech, though. Well, but then my, my thought was, you know what? You know what I need to do. I've still got friends over there at Extron, and, and I, I need to send them an email and, and see if any of them can feed my cats the second week of June because oh, I'm going to wow. be out of town. And, uh, and they won't. Had to push it. See, you now that's much worse than me, mate. That's, yeah. <laughs> Well, you I know. Think we just found the line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. so, something may happen to your cats that week, Greg. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah. You know, after all I've said about Extron, I, I don't think I'm, I'm ready to trust any of my cats to them. But uh, I, I thought it would have been funny nonetheless to. to they ask will them feed that. them to the sea lions, is what they will do. <laughs> yeah. well, you you do that. have you do have sea lions down there, don't you? Uh-huh. Uh, we probably do. Yeah, you know. they, more importantly, they have a restaurant now, so I'm. There's a scary 
direction. Oh, jeez, bro. Oh, man. Uh, I make a move. I, I, I make a motion. We adjourn. Thank you. On that note, that gentleman there, the smart one, is Scott Tyner. He is from Bates College. Thank you so much, sir. Where can people find you? Uh, you're a blogger for Rave. In addition to doing what you do for, uh, for Bates College, so where can people find exactly. you and your stuff? So uh, either on LinkedIn or on, on Twitter at, at S. Tyner. And I, I am going to try. My goal for Infocom is going to be to get on the Infocom Twitter Superboard. <laughs> Make sure you use the right hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> I got it written down. Uh, Mr. Uh, Matthew Silverman, our, uh, our, our, um, our standards uh, keeper uh, and, and everything else. Uh, thank you so much, sir. Where can people find you and your stuff? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at msilverm and uh, LinkedIn. That's probably where I'm hanging out the most lately. Very cool. Uh, and last but not least, uh, Mr. Greg Brown from UCLA. Uh, you are obviously a blogger for, for All Voices, but where else can people find you, sir? In Infocom All Voices and also causing trouble on LinkedIn, just like Matt. And, uh, yes, it has, uh, has now broken 80 degrees here. It's still snowing here. All right. <laughs> uh, my name is Tim Albright. Uh, if you want to do the Twitter thing with me, it's T D Tim David Albright, A L B R I G H T. But more importantly for me and everybody here, go by the website. If you would, please, the guys who do it have worked awfully hard on it. AVNation.tv. AVNation.tv. Uh, you can find us there on LinkedIn, on Twitter, uh, Facebook, Google, all that jazz. Uh, so go by the website and you can start everything there. AVNation.tv. Avianation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. That's all the time we have for EdTech.